today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. God loves them so much. And basically what he's saying to them then is what he's saying to us now. I don't care what you've done. How grievous is your wickedness. I still love you. And I still want you back. I think they call that unconditional love, agape love where there's nothing that you could do that's going to make me love you less. And this should bring us so much encouragement. When we love someone, we forgive them for their mistakes and expect the same in return. But that isn't always the case because our love is usually conditional. Pastor J.D. explains today how God's love for you is unconditional. God will always forgive you if you return to Him, no matter how many mistakes you make. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Jeremiah chapter 3 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Jeremiah chapter 3, we're going through the Bible, book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. You'll notice by way of, I guess, an apology that we're not taking two, three chapters at a time, not to say that we won't, but these first few chapters are so foundational, as we're going to see. So, uh, And there's so much there, and I don't want to rush through, especially the beginning of this book, because it's really going to set the tone in a way for what we're going to see in all 52 chapters. Don't look now, but I think the rapture will happen before we get there. Well, let's hope it does, chapter 52. So why don't we pray? We'll ask God to bless our Bible study, and would please join with me. Father in heaven, thank you so much, Lord, for your word. (laughs) Thank you for this book. Thank you for this man that you called, this man, Jeremiah the prophet Jeremiah, the weeping prophet Jeremiah. Lord, thank you for using him and inspiring him and recording this for us all of these generations later, because it is so apropos for where we're at in the world today. And so Lord, as we now get into your word, we want your word to get into us. We're going to search the Scriptures, but really the Scriptures are searching us, searching our hearts. And so, Lord, we want to give you unfettered access to our hearts so you can minister to us and speak to us. And for those who need encouragement, that you would encourage. For those who need strength, that you would strengthen as only you can and are always so faithful to do. Lord, we ask you in Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, here in chapter 3, there's this reoccurring theme in a word, which is return. In fact, in the original language, this word is used in some form 18 times. Return to the Lord, return. And God, through the prophet Jeremiah, is calling His people to repent and return 
from their backsliding, which again, another word, backsliding, we're going to see that word used seven times in this chapter. So as we're about to see, the whole message from the prophet Jeremiah to the people of Judah, we're going to have references to uh, the northern kingdom of Israel, but this is to Judah, and it is a message, very simply, of repent and return from your backsliding. That's the whole message of this chapter. Now before we jump in, uh, it is, I don't know if it's possible to overstate the paramount importance of this, but we have to see this through the lens of God's love for us as His people. Because if we don't see and study a chapter like this through that lens, we're going to misunderstand and misinterpret, and really miss, period, miss that which God has for us. What we're about to see is, I mean, you couldn't imagine it, but God is pleading with His people. Why? Because He loves them so much. And that's really going to be the takeaway from our time together in God's Word, as we saw, and as we're going to see again, the reason for the strength, and it's pretty strong again, the reason for that strength is because God loves us so much. If we could but fathom the unfathomable love that God has for us, His people, So let's jump in, verse 1, right out of the chute. (laughs) Here it is. They say, if a man divorces his wife, and she goes from him, and becomes another man's, may he return to her again? Would not that lamb be greatly polluted? But you have played the harlot with many lovers yet return to me, says the Lord. This first verse, I mean, it really sets the tone here. It's actually a reference to Deuteronomy chapter 24, the first four verses. This was the law concerning a man who divorces his wife. She cannot return to him lest the land be defiled. And so God, through the prophet Jeremiah, is referencing this law, which they would have been keenly aware of, intimately familiar with. And he says, but wait a minute, I love you so much, I don't want a divorce. Yes, I know that you have had many lovers and played the harlot, but I'll take you back. I love you that much. I love you so much. Yeah, but I've dirtied myself. I've polluted, is the word in the New King James, and yet you'll still take me back? Yes. Just return to me, says the Lord. Verse 2, 
Lift up your eyes to the desolate heights and see, where have you not lain with men? By the road you have sat for them, like an Arabian in the wilderness. And here it is again, you have polluted the land with your harlotries and your wickedness. This, uh, like an Arabian in the wilderness, what that means is that they were behaving like someone who's waiting, pursuing, just on the road, waiting, searching for someone to plunder this Arabian in the wilderness. In other words, sin is not searching for them, they're searching for sin like an Arabian would wait in the wilderness searching for someone to plunder. That's what they were doing in their harlotry, in their wickedness. And this rhetorical question of where have you not laid with men? It's not have you laid with men, this is spiritual adultery. You've committed adultery. I mean, what men have you not lain with? Well, that's pretty strong, isn't it? And isn't it true that, look, you don't have to go searching for sin like they apparently were doing. Sin will find you, don't worry. (laughs) There's a proverb, but this is a a very um, loose paraphrase, but it basically, this is the gist of it. What you pursue, pursues you. You don't have to look too far. I mean, if you're on the prowl, if you're like an Arabian in the wilderness on the search for sin, don't worry, you'll you'll find it. It doesn't have to find you, you'll find it first. (laughs) That's what he's saying here. Well again, I, you'll forgive me for expounding on this particular verse in this way, but this should bring us much needed encouragement. And here's how I get there. Again, God loves them so much. And basically what He's saying to them then is what He's saying to us now. I don't care what you've done, how grievous is your wickedness, I still love you and I still want you back. I think they call that unconditional love, agape love, where there's nothing that you could do that's going to make me love you less. And this should bring us so much encouragement concerning the grace and the mercy of God. We're going to see that here as well in a moment. Verse 3, therefore the showers have been withheld, and there has been no latter rain. You have had a harlot's forehead, you refuse to be ashamed. This is kind of a imagery, I guess, for lack of a better word, of, you know, there's no shame on your face. You have no shame. Have you no shame? You refuse to be ashamed of what you've done. Now, this, um, by the way, speaks to the consequences of sin. Yes, there's the forgiveness for sin, but there's still the consequences of sin, and we see that here in verse 3. And there's actually a particular irony to this, 
because these pagan gods that they were committing adultery with in the spiritual sense, and that they were worshiping, lying with, as we just read, these were gods of weather, gods of rain, gods of fertility, gods of productivity, kind of is reminiscent of in the Exodus with the plagues. You know, all ten of those plagues were strategically, precisionly directed at the gods of the Egyptians. Believe it or not, they worshiped frogs, not frogs, frogs. <laughs> and it's kind of like God saying, oh, you like frogs, do you? And the plague of the frogs. They worship the Nile. Oh, you worship the Nile? I'm going to turn it to blood. How about that? Every single one of those plagues was directed at one of those gods, and it was God's way. And by the way, I think of Elijah too. Same exact thing. The priests of Baal, that contest there on Mount Carmel, for those of you that have been to Israel with us, <laughs> where they are cutting themselves, interesting, screaming, and Elijah's having a great time with this. In fact, he's having too much fun with it. And it's recorded for us in detail in the account. Now I want to say First Kings uh, 18. I could be wrong, 18 or 19. I think it is 18. And so he says to the Baal worshipers, okay, let's, let's see whose God is God. And it was really for Israel because it was, you know, you're going to have to make a decision. How long will you falter between two gods? Either Baal is God or Jehovah is God. We're going to settle this right here and right now. All right, game on. So imagine the delight on the part of the priests of Baal when Elijah, who you'll forgive me again, I think he, I think he had a thing for fire. I think it might have been a pyromaniac thing, but I mean he went up in a chariot of fire. Uh, remember when he's hiding from Jezebel right after this, and you know there's a great earthquake, a great wind, and great fire, and then here he calls fire down. I'm just saying, I think he had a thing. Anyway, let's get back to what we were talking about here. So he says to them, here's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to build an altar, we're going to put the sacrifice in the altar. You can go ahead and go first, and you call on Baal for fire to come down and consume this sacrifice. And oh my goodness, these priests are like, oh, deal. Where do we sign? You know why? Because Baal was the god of fire. They're thinking, oh man, this is too easy. And so they start off, and of course, you know, how it goes down, or I should say how it doesn't go down. <laughs> no fire comes down. And I mean, they're screaming and cutting themselves. And Elijah's like, hey, maybe scream a little bit louder. Maybe your God can't hear you. And maybe he's on vacation. Maybe he's in the bathroom. Actually, that's what the original says. He's relieving himself. You know, maybe just wait. I, I don't know, you know. 
And then Elijah's like, my turn, more like God's turn. Get out of my way. And oh, by the way, let's, uh, so there's no mistaking here, let's pour more water on this. Okay, so they pour more water. That's not enough. Pour more. That's not enough. Pour more. Okay, so they pour all this water on the sacrifice. And all Elijah has, no yelling, no cutting, no screaming. He just calls out to God, Voof. Oh, what a love to have been there. I mean, it consumes everything. And if I'm Elijah, I, of course, you know that he ends up, which is why Jezebel wanted to kill him, but he slays 450 of these prophets of Baal, false prophets. But if I'm Elijah, I would like, well, which is why I'm not, and you're not either, so don't look at me all spiritual, but I would have had a little bit more fun with it. Um, you guys want to try again? You want to go for, you want double or nothing? I know. They have clinical terms for that, but this is what's happening here. Oh, you are laying with these gods of weather and fertility and productivity and rain. Okay. Like we saw, hey, you worship these gods, and then when you're in trouble, who do you go to for help? You come to me? I mean, it's not like that, but why don't you go to them? Oh, that's right. They can't help you because they're not gods. I am God. Throughout the Old Testament, it's, I believe the emphasis is on, I am the Lord your God who delivered you out of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Now, they are not your God. I am the Lord your God. Verse 4, will you not from this time cry to me, my father, you are the guide of my youth. Will he, verse 5, remain angry forever? Will he keep it to the end? Behold, you have spoken and done evil things as you were able. What? What does that mean? Oh, they were sinning as much as they were able to sin. Remember now, we just got done reading that they were actually looking for sin, looking for ways in which they would be able to sin. And here again, God is, just come back to me, cry out to me, return to me. Yeah, but Lord, they've done evil, wicked, unspeakable things that are just so evil you cannot even speak of them. I know but I want them to come back to me. I'll take them back. The Lord said also to me, verse 6, in the days of Josiah the king, hang on to that, we're going to come back to that, that's going to come into play. Have you seen what backsliding Israel has done? She has gone up on every high mountain and under every green tree and played the harlot. I was praying about this in anticipation of teaching this, but I, I want to be prudent, but I don't want to go to the other extreme and sanitize the strength out of it. But this is speaking directly to the, the sexual 
practices of these pagan gods in their worship. And this is specifically where these acts would take place. And this is why God through the prophet Jeremiah is making mention of them. It was gross sexual immorality and they had committed these abominable acts and evil and wickedness in the sight of the Lord and even the location in which they would practice this. And verse 7 I said, after she had done all these things, return to me. But she did not return. This is speaking now again of northern Israel, which by the way has already been taken into captivity by the Assyrians. In fact, it's believed that at the time of this prophecy from Jeremiah, a hundred years had already passed. So God through the prophet Jeremiah is bringing up Israel to Judah. And here's why. And her treacherous sister Judah saw it. They were there. They saw their sister as they're referenced here. They saw their sister in the northern kingdom of Israel commit the same abominable acts. And here God had extended the same invitation to Israel. Return to me. But Israel didn't. And look at the consequences of what happened to them. Verse 8, Then I saw that for all the causes for which backsliding Israel had committed adultery, I had put her away and given her a certificate of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah did not fear, but went and played the harlot also. Okay, bear with me. This is again very important. It speaks to a very powerful principle. And I want you to think this through with me. So, and we're going to see this even more graphically in a moment, but Judah, this treacherous sister Judah, this treacherous sister of the northern kingdom of Israel, saw what had happened, and they didn't learn from it. This is that adage of old, learning the lessons of history, learning not to repeat history. Well, Judah, this treacherous sister Judah, was repeating the same exact sins that the northern kingdom of Israel had done. Listen, I say this very candidly. I would much rather learn from your mistakes than having to learn them firsthand. I would much rather, please I say this in love, I would much rather see you suffer the consequences of your sin and learn that way and not repeat that sin seeing you. <laughs> That's horrible, isn't it? <laughs> In other words, and here's why, by the way, our sin always looks worse on someone else than on ourselves. Oh, come on. Didn't Jesus talk about that? 
You've been listening to another edition of In Spirit and Truth. Thanks for tuning in to this study in the Word of God. As you continue to learn from the book of Jeremiah with Pastor J.D., don't discount the things you're hearing. God may be speaking to you individually today through Scripture. We encourage you to keep reading on your own, too, to further understand what you've heard in this edition. If you're not already part of a local church that you call home, we encourage you to find one and attend regularly. This only helps you grow in your relationship with God and others. If you don't have a church home, come be a part of ours. You'll find all the information you need, including service times and directions, to Calvary Chapel Kaneohe at calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, you can also access more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings like the one you heard today, including his weekly prophecy updates. In addition to that, you may be interested in the ABCs of Salvation under the Resources tab. This is a simple guide to understanding the good news of salvation in Jesus. As we continue to learn from the book of Jeremiah together, we'd be honored to pray for you during this study. Would you let us know what those prayer requests might be? Just fill out the contact form under the About tab at calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Or come find us on social media. There are links to our Twitter and Instagram pages on our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. That's all we have time for today, but thanks for listening to this edition of In Spirit and Truth.